Matthew chapter 16. And I want to begin today by reading verses 5 through 12. You follow along there in your Bibles as I read, beginning in verse number 5. And when his disciples were come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. Which when Jesus perceived, he said unto them, O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves? Because ye have brought no bread. Do ye not understand? Neither remember the five loaves of the five thousand? And how many baskets took ye up? Neither the seven loaves of the four thousand? And how many baskets took ye up? How is it that ye do not understand? That I spake it not to you concerning bread, that ye should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. Then understood they how that he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. Our Heavenly Father, as we open your word now, we pray that you would teach us what we need to know and change us how we need to be changed to be more like Christ. And may we be impressed today with the importance of the plain, simple truth of your word. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever stopped to think about how frightening the world is? That every single day we are constantly surrounded by creatures trying to kill us? There are insects and mammals and reptiles who would do us harm. There are bacteria and microorganisms, chemicals and substances all around us that all are potentially fatal. And some of them in even the smallest of doses. They tell us that one of the most deadly toxins out there is so potent that just one nanogram per kilogram of body weight is enough to kill someone. A nanogram is like one millionth of a gram. And we're Americans, so we don't use kilograms. But the average adult male would weigh, let's say, somewhere in the neighborhood of about 70 kilograms. So that means only 70 millionths of a gram would be enough to kill them. That's pretty potent. And because of reasons like this, that we're surrounded by all kinds of things that are constantly trying to kill us, we take reasonable precautions to protect ourselves. Simple things that we do, like cooking our food, right? We do that not just because it makes it taste better, but it makes it safer to eat. We use things like bug spray to keep parasites off of us so we don't get West Nile virus or something like that. And I'm going to hazard a guess that most of us, maybe not all, but most don't go swimming with sharks. And if you're an exception to that, talk to me afterwards. I want, to, I want to know more about that. We're very good at protecting our bodies from things that would harm us. 
But what about our souls? Are we careful to guard against things that are potentially harmful to our souls? Here in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus warned His disciples to be on guard against evil influences that surround us. But the language He used left them kind of puzzling what He really meant because He said to them, Take heed, verse number 6, that ye, and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Jesus was being a little bit cryptic here. Leaven is not something that you would typically immediately think is poisonous. And so they thought he was talking about something to do with real food. But actually what Jesus was talking about was the teachings of the scribes and the Pharisees, their doctrines. Their false doctrine was just like leaven in that only a small amount could permeate a whole entire loaf and affect the whole thing. His point was to really impress on His disciples that we cannot let down our guard when it comes to the truth. The truth is constantly under attack. Do you believe today that the truth is more or less under attack than it was, let's say, 10 years ago? More or less. I think we're all in agreement. It's very apparent in our culture today, especially, the truth is under attack more now than ever. That being the case, we ought to be on our guard more now than ever that we do not allow evil, sinful influence of false doctrine into our lives. Any belief that contradicts Scripture must be avoided and confronted and exposed at all cost, because it will eventually affect many other beliefs and behaviors. title of today's message is Beware of the Leaven. Beware of the Leaven. I'll give you a fair warning. Those of you who are taking notes, my outline is not going to be necessarily as neat as other times. Sometimes it works out that way that I have nice flow of points that are alliterated and subpoints and sub subpoints and they all rhyme or whatever. That's not this one today, okay? <clears throat> Just do your best to jot stuff down and follow along and I'll do my best to try and make it clear as we go. But first of all, let's look at a little context here from verses 1 through 4. If we go back, we read that the Pharisees also with the Sadducees came and tempting desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. And he answered and said unto them, When it is evening, ye say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. In the morning it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. Oh, ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky, but ye cannot discern the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given unto it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. And he left them and departed. Now the story we read a moment ago from verses 5 through 12 occurred right after this encounter that Jesus had with the scribes and the Pharisees, the, the Pharisees and Sadducees, excuse me. They had come to Jesus, according to verse number 1, um, tempting him. 
They did not come asking a legitimate question for information because they wanted to know more and they wanted to be followers of Jesus. They were trying to trap Him. They were constantly doing this to Jesus. They were trying to set traps for Him to try and get Him to discredit Himself because they saw Him as a threat. Here He came exposing them for what they were, which was self-righteous religious frauds. And they didn't like that. And so they come to Jesus on this particular occasion. And it's interesting that they says in verse number 1, they desired Him that He would show them a sign from heaven. Now, we're about halfway through the gospel record here of the book of Matthew. If you were to go back and read verses 1 through 15, you would find that there had already been a number of miracles performed by the Lord Jesus Christ that left any reasonable observer with no doubt in their mind whatsoever that Jesus' claim to be God the Son was true. Why did they ask for a sign at this point? It's as if they were coming up to say, you know, we're not really convinced yet that you are who you say you are, so prove it. Prove it by showing us a sign from heaven. That's an interesting expression. The miracles that Jesus had done had all been earth-based, stuff that happened down here. He hadn't called down fire from heaven. He hadn't called down hail stones the size of boulders. He hadn't done anything from heaven yet. And so there's almost, there's almost a sense here when they're like, yeah, we, we know what you've done. Those have been some pretty interesting tricks, but why don't you do something really amazing? Why don't you give us a sign from heaven? What they wanted was more wonders. And can I say it this way? They wanted to be wowed. They wanted to, uh, to see Jesus do something that would just, just blow them away. And the implication here is that if He would do that, then they would believe. And so Jesus responds in a rebuking manner. And he, he uses a, a, a common expression and common uh, thing that even we use today when he talks in verses 2 and 3 about uh, looking at the sky and when it's red in the morning, sailors take what? Warning. When it's red at night, sailors delight. Well, that's actually what Jesus says in verses 2 and 3. And he says in verse number 4, you can look at the sky and you can fairly guess what the weather's going to be like the next day, but you can't look around you on earth and see what's going on and understand what is near you right now, that the kingdom of God is near you right now. And so he concludes by saying, no, I will give no sign to you like you're requesting except for the sign of the prophet Jonas. And in other passages, we learn that that was a reference and a prophecy of Jesus' resurrection, that He would be three days and three nights in the earth like Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale. And so He said, the only sign that you're going to get, the only sign from heaven, as it were, is that right there. But see, that wasn't good enough for them. They wanted to be wowed. I think about our culture today, we live in a wow-addicted culture. 
Everything has to be wow. Everything has to be sensational. And that has infected the religious experience of many people in our world today, especially in America, because they want to be wowed with their religious experience. They want the teaching and the preaching that they hear to make them go, wow. They want the songs that they hear and the the worship style to make them go, wow. In fact, for many years, there has been a uh, a very popular compilation of modern worship songs that they put out every single year, and the title of those albums is, wow. And this is this, this, there's this culture of if it's true, then it has to be sensational, it has to be spectacular, it has to blow us out of the water. And so people want to hear things that make them go, wow. They want to read things that make them go, wow. They want to see and hear and experience the sensational. That's what these Pharisees and Sadducees were asking for. Show us a sign from heaven. 2 Timothy 4.3 Paul said that the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Notice the contrast in that verse between sound doctrine and teachings that tickle the ears. They're not the same. See, the Pharisees and the Sadducees didn't like the words of Jesus. They wanted some wowing. Jesus showed up and said simple things, like, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. His teaching was not what you would call scholarly by their definition. It was just down to earth. Usually very plainly stated truths. And the thing about plain truth is it's not nearly as entertaining as the signs and wonders. And look, we are guilty of the same thing when we read through the Bible and we read through the Gospels and we see the, the miracles that Jesus did. We see Jesus walking on water. And we read that story and we say, wow. But then we get to another verse that says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things should be added unto you. And we say, hmm. The plain truth is just not going to be as entertaining as the the wonders and the signs. But it is the truth that we need. We do not need more wow factor. We need more of the Word. And so it was after this encounter with the Pharisees and the Sadducees that Jesus turned to His disciples. They had traveled to the other side of the the lake there and they had mistakenly forgot to bring food. You ever gone on a trip and forgot your food? Yeah, me neither. That's like top priority for me. 
But that's what they did here. They, they, they took a boat across the lake and got to the other side, and I don't know how it happened. Maybe Peter looked at John and said, Hey, John, where'd you put the cooler with the lunch in it? John said, Well, I thought Andrew got it. And Andrew's like, No, Matthias said he got it. However it happened, they realized we don't have lunch. That's a problem. And there's Jesus. He wasn't necessarily part of that conversation as they're, you know, in hushed tones talking about where's the food. And all of a sudden he speaks up. And he makes this statement. He just says, seemingly out of the blue, take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now they had just been talking about where's our lunch. And now Jesus makes this statement. They know Jesus well enough by this point that they assumed he was aware of the fact they didn't have lunch. And so they thought that he was talking about their physical food. As we'll see in a moment, he was not talking about the physical food. He was talking about the teachings of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Before we get there, let's take that first phrase in verse 6. Take heed and beware. Take heed, that means pay attention. Beware or be wary, that is to be cautious about something. Take heed, be cautious, be on alert, warning... That's the idea here. It's kind of like if you go up to a, a stranger's house and you see that sign on the gate that says, Beware of dog. see those a lot. We see them when we're out on visitation many times. Beware of dog. I don't mind those so much. It's the one that says, Forget the dog, beware the owner. That's the one that I'm like, All right, I'm going to pay attention here. But you see a beware of dog sign. That's the owner's way of warning you as you approach the house uh, that you need to be on the lookout for a potentially threatening canine. I always get a laugh out of it when you, you go up to a house like that and, uh, and, and the person comes out to meet you and here comes their chihuahua running right beside them. You know, Don't get me wrong. I don't like chihuahuas. I think they're mean as can be. But I think I could take one in a you know, hand-to-hand combat, I think. But the reason the owners put those signs up is because they don't want... At least I hope they don't want you to be hurt, but I know they don't want to be liable if you get hurt because their dog bit you. Well, this is the idea when Jesus said, beware of something. We need to take caution because there is a potential for great harm here. He says, be be cautious, be wary. And so when he said it the way he said it, he, he, he used the illustration of leaven. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Now, when Jesus said that, they immediately thought that he was talking about physical food because they had forgotten lunch. And so they thought that he might be telling them, hey, when you go find lunch that you forgot to bring, don't buy anything from the Pharisees and the Sadducees. That's not what he was saying. And so they're thinking this, verse number 7, and Jesus perceives their thoughts, verse number 8. And so he takes an opportunity here in the midst of this exhortation about the dangers of false doctrine. In the middle of it, he takes an opportunity to remind them and us today that physical problems are actually the least important problems. 
Because here they are reasoning within themselves that it was because they had taken no bread. When Jesus said to them in verse number 8, O ye of little faith, why are you standing there worrying about bread? And he reminded them of two instances, two miracles that they had recently observed involving bread. He reminded them of the time that he fed 5,000 people when they had next to nothing to feed them with. Verse number, um, uh, verse number 9, do you not yet remember, understand, neither remember the five loaves of the 5,000? And how many baskets took ye up? Remember that story? Jesus fed 5,000 with five loaves. Does anybody remember in that story how many baskets there were? Twelve. Twelve in that story. Some have speculated that was one for each of the disciples to take home with them. We don't know for sure, but the point of it is that Jesus had more than enough to feed 5,000 people and have a dozen baskets left over, starting with just five loaves. And then he said, well, what about the time that we fed 4,000 with seven loaves? How many baskets did you have left over then? It's not stated here, but in that story, there were seven baskets left over. So all of those people that were fed, starting with next to nothing, and Jesus multiplied it so that there was more than enough. In fact, they had more leftovers than the food they originally started with. Why? Because that's what God does. When we have a problem... He steps in and he says, I got this, and I'll meet this need in a way that you can never even imagine. In fact, it'll blow your mind the way that I will meet this need. And when God does it, we step back and we say, thank you, Lord. You did it so much better than we could do it. But notice that Jesus said, he started by saying, oh, you have little faith. Here's, the, here's, here's what I'm getting at. The reason that they missed the point of what Jesus said initially is because they were focusing on the physical problem of not having lunch and they had been distracted from the most important things, the spiritual things. And so Jesus categorized that distraction as a lack of faith. They weren't walking by faith. They weren't living by faith. They were worrying about food and that was a lack of faith. They were focused on the physical and it distracted them from the spiritual. They were thinking about food and so they missed the point of what Jesus said. And I think in this we have a great illustration of the truth that lies before us. Our, our world is very, in many ways, health conscious today. Our culture in America at least. In many ways. Now, whether or not we're actually achieving better health is another debate. There's a reason. Uh, they call it health care, but it ought to be called sickness care, right? <laughs> but anyway, in our culture, there's a big emphasis on things like diet and nutrition. And some people are very conscious about that. You know, they want to eat good quality food. They don't want to eat junk food. They don't want to put poisons in their body. And I'm, I'm a fan of that, by the way. I'm not poisoning yourself, that is. I'm also a fan of eating food. I think we ought to take good care of our bodies. I think we ought to be good stewards of our person. But there are many Christians who would go to the extreme of eating all organic, 
and doing everything, taking all the supplements and doing all of the exercises and getting all of the care that we're supposed to get and really focusing on their physical health and never give a minute's worth of thought to their spiritual well-being. They would not put anything in their mouth that they weren't sure was healthy, but they would fill their minds with any kind of spiritual truth that might sound okay. And that's a problem. Because when the physical is more important than the spiritual, we've got it backwards. Jesus is trying to get them to understand that physical problems are the least important problems. Spiritual things are much more important. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And so in verse 11, he says, How is it that you do not understand that I spake it not to you concerning bread, that is, concerning physical food, that you should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees? Now, this is an instance where Jesus did not give them a fuller explanation. He just said, you got it wrong, and left them to come to their own conclusion, and that they did in verse number 12. Then understood they how he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the... What's that next word, verse 12? Doctrine. The doctrine. When he said leaven, he didn't mean like yeast we would use in some kind of a yeast bread or something like that or any kind of other leavening agent that, that, that we add to a dough to make it fluff up, to make it rise. He wasn't talking about that physical thing. He was talking about teaching, doctrines. Now, then we have to ask the question, why did he call it leaven? It's because there's another verse in Scripture that tells us, in Galatians, that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Leaven proportionate to the whatever you're baking, whatever it is you're baking, is very small. You don't put equal parts flour and yeast. It probably wouldn't take, taste pretty good. So you have just a little bit of leaven to the whole lump, and it, it affects everything. It's small, and it may seem insignificant, because, but, it, but it makes all the difference in the world. Try baking a cake without any leavening agent whatsoever. What are you going to get? A chocolate cracker. It makes all the difference in the world. And doctrine is like that. Be it good or bad, and incidentally Jesus used it in both the positive and negative effects of, of doctrine. In Matthew 13, 33, talked about it positively. In this passage, negatively. And the point is that doctrine may seem not as important, but it makes all the difference in the world. Now some people, in fact it's been the cry of the ecumenical movement for many, many years, doctrine divides. We don't focus on doctrine. Doctrine divides. We just, you know, we just all get along. We just focus on what we agree on. Well, you know what? It's, it's kind of hard. And the farther we go, the less we agree on. I mean, pretty soon we're going to be, there's not going to be nothing that we agree on if we keep doing that, going down the path we're on. 
And so some people downplay the importance of doctrine. And does it really matter if you believe this particular thing over here? Does it really matter if you believe this particular thing? And not, I'm not even talking about liberal versus conservative theology. I mean, back in the late 1800s with liber, the rise of liberal theology, denying the resurrection of Christ, the virgin birth, and all of those fundamentals. You know, we fought that battle. But there are people now on the that were on the other side of it that are increasingly just saying, you know what, let's, let's forget about all this doctrine stuff. Let's just get along and uh, let's just have that kumbaya moment and uh, uh, we'll, just, uh, nice, we'll just be nice to one another and that's how we'll, we'll win the world to Jesus. Well, I'm all for being nice, but there's a problem. If you're telling a nice lie, it's still a lie. It's not the truth. And the truth is what matters Doctrine makes all the difference in the world. Some people say, well, who are you to judge someone else? Doesn't the Bible say, judge not? Yes, it does, actually. I've read that. You may be surprised to learn it says a lot of other things, too. <laughs> but to some people, that's the only two words of Scripture that they seem to have hung on to. Because in another place, Jesus said, judge not according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. You know, that's a command to judge. That is a command to evaluate and decide what is right and what is wrong. And we ought to do that in light of Scripture. The truth is that we must be careful about the doctrines that we allow to influence us. In fact, God has given us a process in the New Testament of what to do, how to evaluate, to look at things in the light of Scripture, to weigh it against the truth of the Bible. And if someone is found to be teaching false doctrine, then we are to take steps to try and restore them. And if they will not be restored, then we are to separate from them because it matters to God what we believe. Titus 3, verses 10 through 11, a man that is an heretic after the first and second admonition, reject, knowing that he that is such is subverted and sinneth, being condemned of himself. We don't, we don't do such a thing in a spirit of self-righteous judgment in the sense of condemning someone un, un, unjustly. We don't take any pr uh, pleasure in having to call someone out and saying, this is not true, what they're saying is wrong. And listen, as a, as a pastor and as a preacher of the gospel, I don't take any pleasure when I bring up names of certain people who are spreading false doctrine. I don't enjoy doing that. But Romans chapter 16 tells us that we're supposed to mark them so that we can avoid them because what we believe is important. What was the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Well, the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees boiled down to one basic foundational premise, and it was self-righteousness. Self-righteousness. The whole system of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes as well and the religious leaders of Jesus' day was built around performance. You do this, this, and this, and then you're right with God. And so the result was is that outwardly they were very strict, moral, religious people. But inwardly they were vile. The result was that they majored on the minors 
and they ignored the major things. Like Jesus said, you pay tithe of mint, anise, and cumin, but you omit the weightier matters of the law. And so this system of self-righteousness had led people to believe that because they, they had everything right on the outside, that they must be right on the inside. And Jesus said, be careful, be wary, that you do not allow that teaching to affect you. But it's not just that particular brand of false doctrine that we need to be careful of. We need to be careful of any and all false doctrine that may come to us in any given form. There's a lot of blessings that we experience living in the day and age that we live. And one of those blessings is that we have so much access to information, so much access to good information. But that's also a challenge because it gives us access to a lot of bad information. And one of the quickest ways to find false doctrine. I'm just going to let you in on a secret here, is to Google something. What does the Bible mean, blah, 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 blah. And you're going to get pages and pages and pages of results. Some of them will be good. Many of them will not. And you need to be wary. You need to be careful. You can't, believe me, you can't believe everything that you read on the Internet. I know, I read that on the Internet, right? We've got to be careful about these things. Look, the, the ability to spread false doctrine has never been greater. We can read it online. We can read it in printed form. We can listen to the podcasts and we can listen to the sermons. It comes through the music that we listen to. Christian music is supposed to be teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That means behind every Christian song, there is a doctrine, there is a belief that is being communicated through that music. That is one of the reasons why we are very selective about the music that we use here at Philadelphia Baptist Church, because it is a teaching medium, and we want to make sure that we're teaching things that are true. So it comes to you through all of these different forms of media. It comes to you through different individuals in your life, people that you know, maybe inside the church, maybe outside the church. You are constantly being fed beliefs in one way or another. You are constantly being given teachings and doctrines in one form or another. And if you're not careful, if you're just ingesting everything that comes your way, you are going to be harmed. You are going to believe something that's not true and it's going to be spiritually devastating to you. How do we make sure that we protect ourselves? Well, we looked a couple weeks ago at Acts chapter 17, the story of the Berean believers. Remember, they were more noble than those that were in Thessalonica. Why? Because they searched the Scriptures daily whether those things were so. They got into the Word of God and they said, all right, I've heard that we've heard what Paul said. Now, does this line up with Scripture? And they made a habit of their life of evaluating everything they heard in light of Scripture. How many of you read the labels on the food that you eat? All right, a lot of us do. Some of you are like, they have labels? I do, I read labels a lot. Practically everything we eat, I, I'm going to read the label on. My wife has the same habit. For us, there's a 
couple of reasons. Uh, one is not just for health generally, but two, because we have food allergies. And so we want to be sure that we're not going to ingest something that might cause us to have a reaction. So we look very carefully at those labels before we put it in our bodies. Do we give that much care and concern to spiritual things? Somebody gives us a devotional book. Do we just devour it? Or do we take a moment to read the label, as it were? Oh, this looks nice. Who wrote it? Okay, never heard of them before. Who are they? Where are they from? What other things have they written? What's their belief? What's their background? Somebody says, hey, you need to listen to this sermon. Send you a link to it. Never heard of this preacher before. Oh, it's a woman. Never mind. All right, pass that test. Well, who is this guy? Where's he from? What's his background? What's his belief? What's his, where's he coming from here? Do we take even a minute, just a little bit of time, to exercise some common sense caution about what we're taking in spiritually? Somebody says, this is a great song I heard. You've got you to listen to this song. And so they send you a link to listen to the song on YouTube or whatever. Do you even pause for a moment to evaluate what you're listening to? Or you just like the tune and you like the sound of the song and say, oh yeah, that's a great song. Well, was it doctrinally correct? And you see, we have all of these different inputs, the books that we read, the devotionals that we use, the podcasts that we listen to, the blogs that we follow, the social media influencers that we watch, all of these different things we cannot afford to be careless. We must guard ourselves against the influence of false teachers. See, the Pharisees and the, and the Sadducees, they said to Jesus, show us a sign, sign from heaven, wow us a little bit. Jesus said, I'm not going to give you a sign except for the sign of the prophet Jonas. That's the only sign this generation's going to get. And you know, Jesus gave that sign when he was crucified, buried, and rose again the third day. You know, that sign still stands to this day as the sign to this generation. We do not need any other further sign than that one right there. And if they will not listen to the Word of God and believe on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, then there's nothing else that we can do. We can't wow them to Jesus if they will not accept the plain truth of Scripture. And for our part, we need to be careful about that thinking and many other forms of false doctrine. We need to be on guard against false teachings and evaluate carefully all of those inputs that are coming into our life. so that we are not harmed by false beliefs. Father, we thank you so much for the truth that you've given to us. And Lord, that it is indeed truth. That we do not have to guess 
or wonder, but that we can open the pages of Scripture for ourselves, we can read it, and with the Holy Spirit as our guide and our teacher, we can understand what is true and what is not. Lord, help us to be careful. Help us, Lord, to beware of something that may seem even small and insignificant, but it might contain an element of false teaching that would be detrimental to us. Because, Lord, we want to follow you and you alone. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you turn in your hymnal this afternoon to number 181 with me? The song is entitled, Holy Bible, Book Divine. And I'd like for us to sing this as a hymn of invitation this afternoon. Because it reminds us of where the truth comes from. It doesn't come from... The writings of men, it comes from the Word of God. Let's stand together. Number 181, let's sing together. bowed and eyes closed as Dr. Allman continues to play. I cannot encourage you enough. Be careful about what you believe. It matters. Sometimes you think, you might think that preachers are just being a little too picky. Sometimes it may be just a single word say, well, hold on a second. What do you mean by that, that word? Because sometimes that makes all the difference in the world. You might think that, you know, we're just picking on people because we say you need to be careful of this devotional book and this author or whatever. But it's because it is so important that we guard ourselves against these kinds of false doctrines that we warn. And I want to encourage you. You might need to go home today and you might need to pull some devotional books off the shelf and take an honest look at them. Maybe some of the commentaries that, that you have read after in the past and as you study the Bible really aren't that helpful. I've got some books in my library right here at the church I would never recommend for most people to read 
I have them because I want to see how the liars say things. <laughs> but not everything that is supposedly spiritual or biblical is. So be careful. Be careful. And be committed to the truth of God's Word. Let's sing out together on this last verse. Mind to tells to tell of joys to come. Mind to tell of joys to come. Father, as we close in a word of prayer, we thank you again that we could come together today to study your word. Lord, that we could benefit from it. I pray that we would take the truth with us. We would live it today, this week, and on into the future that we would guard ourselves against the influence of those who would teach lies and falsehoods. Bless our afternoon, Lord. Give us safety as we travel on the roads and we look forward to coming back again tonight to study your word and fellowship together. We give you all the glory, Lord, for all that you've done and all that you are doing and all that you will do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You are dismissed.